Hi everyone, this is Janice, your neighborhood nutritionist. I've spent the last couple of years helping busy office professionals upgrade their health through upgrading their nutrition. And one thing was very obvious. Nobody's got time to read up on all the scientific stuff to know fact from fiction. So each week, I will talk to you about a different topic or concept in nutrition in simple, everyday terms, so you are empowered to make the best nutritional decisions. Get ready to learn about some new stuff, gain new insights into old concepts, and super boost your health. Hey, did you know most people make New Year's resolutions and never see them through? January is now over and many of you may feel like you're losing steam. So I've created this 30-day feel-good challenge to help you get back on track with your well-being goals. It's completely free, you can start anytime, swap the suggested activities around to whatever suits you, there are no weird foods, tough workouts and you don't need any special equipment to join. Sign up today to get access to your 30-day feel-good challenge calendar at www.notadiet.co.uk slash feelgood30-signup. The link is also in the show notes of this episode. Once again, it's free and super simple and you'll feel great. Welcome back to part two on sleep. I, I brushed on the point about a sleep setup. So before we really get into talking about that, a question I guess from someone who have who has used this before. There are some apps that I'm aware of either on your wearable tech, you know, on your watches or on your phones which claim to be able to track how you're sleeping. Now my understanding is I tried this many years ago, probably the first version of this first iteration of these apps and you would put it on the bed next to you and then basically it tracks your movements because I think during the different stages you know you move differently as you mentioned there is a stage where you are paralyzed now what are your thoughts on these apps and do they actually work from different uh, I've had a, just a little bit of experience with myself from from talking to different people and things I've read. Uh, they can be really variable in how well they work. Um, so mm-hmm. it's one thing to, it, it's not like getting a real sleep study. It can give you some indication of what might be going on, but just be a little careful. They might not actually be that accurate. The other thing is, is and I, and I read this and it makes a lot of sense, is Often when we're using tracking things, Mm -hmm. that can create more stress around our sleep than help. Yes, because you're being graded. Yeah. And and so lots of times people will look at something like that and panic and go, oh my God, I had a bad night's sleep. And that will set them up for a poor day and then get anxious Mm -hmm. about sleep. And that that anxiety about whether or not, you know, how long is it going to take me to fall asleep? Am I going to have a bad night? That actually becomes a major factor in most people with their insomnia. So it actually, some places say, you know, waking up in the morning and going, oh, how do I feel this morning? Do I feel like I had a good night's sleep? That kind of journaling gets you to listen to your own body more mm. and and may actually be a better way to handle it. So 
Um, you know, there's definitely a place for sleep studies. There are certain situations where those apps can maybe help. Uh, it might help you kind of start figuring out a little bit of what's going on for you, but not something I think is actually, um, can contribute to the problem, actually. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. No one likes to be graded and examined, right? Even <laughs> ourselves. And, you know, talking about sleep setup, just at the beginning of our conversation, I think you made a very good point is that how well we sleep relies on a lot about what we're doing in the day. Now, mm -hmm. maybe as a starting point, as I mentioned, blue light is a big problem, um, as well as the normal urban light pollution, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's never really dark in urban areas. Can you maybe tell us, I guess, in simple terms, exactly what blue light is and why it makes it difficult for us to sleep. So there we have uh, receptors in the back of our eyes that pick up that, that part of the light spectrum. And that then ties into our brain and is the number one signal around our circadian rhythm or our body clock mm -hmm. and setting our rhythm. And so the idea is, is if we're, exposed to a lot of blue light, especially in the evening, that that is going to be telling our body it's day. And we're not going to be making as much melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So it's, so it's going to really disrupt that, that circadian rhythm and the messages to our body that we're falling asleep. And I think there's two parts to it. I think there's what's happening with our, you know, our eyes actually getting the message from that light. But the other thing is, the stronger message there might actually be what it is we're seeing or reading from that device that's giving us that blue light. So one study I looked at, and it was a small study, but it just brings up a really fascinating point because they actually found of the people that were being exposed to blue light before they went to bed, the ones that had the biggest disruption in their sleep were the ones that were looking at something stressful. So whether or not it was the news or work email or something like that, or watching, you know, a, a movie that was super stimulating, those were the people mm. that actually had the most disrupted sleep. And the people who were using a device that were reading a nice book or something like that, they actually had very little disruption to the sleep. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So that, there's definitely, there's lots of studies around blue light and that's definitely creating changes in our hormones. But I, I do think we need to think as well about what it is we're looking at. Yeah, I think that brings a whole new spin actually to this blue light debate because, I mean, it makes sense, right? That if you're reading something that's stressful or exciting, then obviously that's going to give you a physical response as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that does make sense. And talking about, so other things around, you know, getting us, I guess, in shape for a good night's sleep. I've always heard that it's good to let your body temperature go a bit lower. Now, I am someone who uses the same duvet summer and winter. I just love having <laughs> something heavy on me. So mm -hmm. what are the actual, I guess, scientific facts around body temperature and sleep? So I mentioned before that that circadian rhythm has a mm -hmm. lot of things tied to it. And 
interestingly enough, our, one of our hormones, cortisol. So cortisol and melatonin are opposite of each other. So in the mm -hmm. morning, we have high cortisol. And we think of that usually as a stress hormone, but we actually need that higher cortisol level in the morning to help get us out of bed. So right. we'll, again, that energy in the morning is very tied to our, our body clock. And then it, by the evening, the cortisol should be going down and the melatonin should be going up too. And that's really related, not so much actually to how fast we fall asleep, but the, the quality of sleep we have, that melatonin. And, but right along with that rhythm, tied to that cortisol rhythm is our body temperature. So our body mm -hmm. temperature rises in the morning with our cortisol. And at night, as our cortisol goes down, our body temperature goes down. Mm -hmm. And so... It, it's thought that when you when you keep the temperature really hot at night, it makes it harder for that hormone rhythm to happen the way it's supposed to. I see. And and the way that that better quality sleep is very tied to those melatonin levels, which are very tied to that rhythm of our cortisol and our and our temperature. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean having the same duvet is is a bad thing, but it is. <laughs> but keeping the temperature a little lower in your room can help. And that can be very tied to, you know, if we exercise a lot right before we go to bed, one of the reasons mm -hmm. that might make it harder to fall asleep is it's actually going to really raise our temperature. Interestingly, I read a study about um, the effect of having wine before sleep, because of course, you know, the whole is wine good for us thing. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but I've actually heard that if you had a glass of wine too near the time when you're going to sleep, it's alcohol right so obviously mm -hmm. it will have an effect of raising your body temperature so that could actually have the opposite effect because a lot of people associate with alcohol with being sleepy um very true and that actually that's interesting because it's um one of the things kind of on the, the the worst end of the spectrum with insomnia a lot of in, mm -hmm. a lot of what contributes to insomnia are things that we pick up as habits to try to help. So we mentioned before about napping and insomnia and how mm -hmm. you think it's helping to catch up on your sleep, but it ends up contributing to disrupting your body clock. And alcohol is, a, is another big one where mm -hmm. people find when they're not sleeping, they start having a drink at night to help them relax and fall asleep. And it mm -hmm. helps with that. And so they think it's a good thing and it becomes a real routine. But they have found that we don't have as good of a sleep quality when we drink alcohol too close to bed. And one of those factors could definitely be the temperature. There seems to be other factors in there as well that de decrease our sleep quality when we have alcohol. And interestingly enough, it ends up disrupting our blood sugar levels. So yeah. through, the, through the night, as our body uses that alcohol, we, we end up with disrupted blood sugar. And that really, really affects our sleep as well. So it's one of those things that seems to help, but ultimately is actually not helping. And just a quick side sidebar question in terms of falling asleep, I guess I just wanted to give listeners maybe some assurance. I don't want everyone to listen to this and think, oh, no, my sleep is weird or, you know, I need to do something about it. But is there actually kind of a normal amount of time that it takes people to fall asleep or when should people start looking into uh, making changes around their sleep behaviors? You know, it's a hard one because I think, you know, we all have days where we go to bed and things are, our thoughts are racing and it takes us a while to unwind and fall asleep. Uh, if that's mm -hmm. consistent, then I think looking at what kind of unwinding you do before you get into bed is important. So if you're racing around, running around, and then you get into bed and you're in that, 
you know, kind of wired place, you probably need to look at a half an hour, an hour before bed, what are you doing to unwind? And whether or not that's, mm -hmm. you know, reading, doing some light stretches, um, you know, deep breathing, and you know, all of those things that you can think about doing. Some people like to meditate, some don't. Um, turning down the lights for the last yeah. hour before you go to bed, as you said, being aware of that blue light you're being exposed to, I would say it, it's amazing how many people have TVs in their bedroom and are watching the news right before they go to bed. And <laughs> we were talking about how um, what's stimulating you, what's making you stress before you go to bed. Um, are you exercising too close to bed? And I just have to add, don't snack before you're going to sleep. Number one, your body doesn't need more food. Number two, it's probably going to, again, mess up your rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yes, that's one of the things is to look at, you know, when are you having supper? And is that, you know, if you're really digesting and all those things, when you go to bed, that's actually not going to help you fall asleep. And for a lot of people it can actually contribute to heartburn when they go to bed as well. Um, that yeah. being said, there are some people that are, um, are waking up during the night because their blood sugar ends up low. So if people have... Mm -hmm high blood sugar and they're dealing with blood sugar issues sometimes a little bit of a snack before they go to bed can actually help with that sleep quality so but just like a handful of nuts or something like that not much food at all but just enough to kind of help keep your blood sugar a little more stable during sleep but that's kind of almost more the exception for the most part most people shouldn't be eating right before bed so i think my last big question in this conversation is in terms of how do we improve on sleep? So there's a few things I want to touch on. So number one, you know, as you yourself are a holistic nutritionist, um, are there foods, you know, natural foods that actually help with better sleep? And then also from a supplement perspective, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are the most common supplements um, or what works and what people should stay away from perhaps? Sure. Uh, Food-wise, uh, there's a number of things that can help. Uh, so magnesium is a mineral that's very, very relaxing, especially if you find you have tense muscles. Uh, you can take that as a supplement, but you can look at nuts, for example, are a good source of magnesium. So that's, you know, you can be looking at uh, foods like that. What I love is having a magnesium salt bath. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's another yeah. wonderful thing to do at night to, to give you that magnesium. Um, and especially if you've got those tense muscles, that's an indication that that magnesium might be a helpful thing to try. Um, bananas are actually a really good thing. Um, and another, if you could tolerate it, um, dairy products. So that warm milk before bed is actually going to help give you nutrients that will help you sleep better if you tolerate it. That can be another whole conversation around dairy, but... <laughs> Can you, can you, sorry, can you give us like a, maybe one liner of why? Because I was just about to ask, is the whole warm milk before bed thing just, you know, a myth? Um, it's a couple of different things. So it's the amino acid tryptophan and it's vitamin B6 that are found in there. Okay. But then it also, I think, has just sort of, for some people, that real emotional comfort to it like that was something their mom gave them as a kid and if that's going to help mm -hmm. get you in that place it could be a lot more emotional than than anything yeah i mean if it works it works right yeah you know and i think in a lot of cases it can come down to the messages we're sending our body 
So for me, making yourself a relaxing tea, some of it is the herbs you're going to put in that. And some of that is just, mm -hmm. you're making something and stopping and slowing down and sipping on it. And it's kind of telling your body you're taking care of it. Yeah. One of my um, favorite things actually is to read, uh, but not on a Kindle, you know, read an actual mm -hmm. book. Yeah. Um, I find that it just, I guess a lot of people find this with reading, right? It does take your mind to one place because you need to focus on the words. You need to think about yeah. what it's saying. And I find that that completely distracts me from the rest of the day. I don't mm -hmm. think about what's on the news. I don't think about what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm just thinking about that word that I'm mm -hmm. reading. So maybe mm -hmm. listeners can try that as well. Yeah, I can certainly do a lot to kind of get that mind from pinging around on a hundred things and kind of help you just mm -hmm. get away from yeah, work on all those things for sure. Some people find journaling helps as well because you could just get all that stressful stuff out onto a paper and get it out of your head. So trying different things and, and seeing what helps, right? Yeah, and on supplements then, right? As I mentioned, I've never had to, you know, try any sleeping pills or anything, but what is actually a sleeping pill? So... When you look at supplements and a sleeping pill, that the number one thing people use in the supplement world for sleep is melatonin. So mm -hmm. that's that sleep hormone that I mentioned. Um, as mm -hmm. I said, it actually does a lot more to help with our sleep quality than it does to like help us fall asleep really quick. So right. people take it, think it's going to knock them out, like taking medication for sleep, and it, it's not intended to do that. Where it works the best is to help reset our sleep rhythm. That, that mm -hmm. body clock. So it works the best if you have jet lag, for example, mm -hmm. and you need to reset things. Um, sometimes people who work shifts find that can help them reset as well. But one thing to be careful is, is it actually has a lot of contraindications with medications. So you need to check that. Uh, some people mm -hmm. find it gives them crazy dreams. Some people like me find I actually am just groggy, like crazy the next day if I take it. So I just don't do well with melatonin. And it might have something to do with, you know, what's going on with your melatonin levels. If your melatonin is already doing fine in your sleep rhythm, then taking more of it is probably not a helpful thing. So mm -hmm. it can be useful to try. Like I said, I, I think it's most helpful in those things like jet lag to, to reset. Um, there's also a lot of these sleeping supplements will have a variety of herbs in them. So there's herbs like uh, passion flower, Lemon balm, uh, skull cap is a big one for if you've got that racing mind, it's really good for that. Valerian, mm -hmm. hops, chamomile, there's a whole bunch. California poppy is another one. There's lots and lots of them. And unfortunately, or fortunately, what works in one person might not work in the next person. And so it can take a little playing around to find out which of those herbs is actually working mm -hmm. best for you. And so it might take work, working with a herbalist or something or... I, I think personally, I mean, as much as I work in the supplement world, I think the place to start is to have them as teas because I think you get that message of stopping and slowing down and making a cup of tea and, and, and then having that tea. And you're going to be using it at lower amounts then, which is going to be safer. So I think that's a really good place to start is, is to try some of those teas and how that unwinding helps you. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, that in itself just shows that we can try to do this naturally before we get into the chemical world. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, and 
I would just like to actually ask you, Lee, to give our listeners three actionable tips so maybe they can listen to this episode and already sleep better tonight. So the first one I would say is consistency. The more you're getting up at the same time and going to bed at the same time, the better your sleep's going to be. That consistency is so, so important. Um, the people who are getting up early during the week and then sleeping on the weekend to try to make up time are actually really disrupting their body clock more. So consistency mm. is absolutely key. The second one I would say is to, to look at your stress. Uh, the more we're stressed, the more we're making cortisol and the more we're disrupting that, that body clock. And so I would say probably the number one reason people are struggling with sleep is that the more and more and more we go into that fight or flight during the day, the more our body clock is going to be out. And so, uh, you know, we, we might have to do another episode on stress and all of the factors involved then, but really thinking about the stress in your life and how that's probably disrupting your sleep. They're so intertwined. And the last one I would say is, is to listen to your body. I think, you know, you'll probably agree with this as a nutritionist, but the, you know, probably the, one of the more important things we can do around food is pay attention to our body. And, and that's true of sleep as well. Uh, how often I know myself at night, it's like, I start to feel tired, but I push through it. Cause it's like, Oh, it's kind of early. I don't want to go to bed this early. And you push through it. And then you're wide awake and you can't fall asleep. And so paying attention to, you know what, if you're, groggy in the morning you're probably waking up at the wrong time so listen to your body signals yeah i think i mean three really really good tips and i guess just from me I'll, I'll add a few as well um definitely i think take lee's advice from earlier in the episode as well dim your lights in the room or if you have you know a bedside lamp then switch off the main lights just help yourself a little bit get and in, get into the mood of sleep and personally i've always found that having a warm bath or warm shower before sleep definitely helps me um feel more relaxed and i mean that's the that's the main key word isn't it to be relaxed mm -hmm. yeah what works for you to unwind that's that's the big thing yeah and so lee one final question that i've asked all my guests um, is what food always takes you to your happy place? For me, this is this is going to probably sound like a funny one, but it's, it comes to mind because it wasn't that long ago that it was Christmas. And so my happy place for me is, is something called torchere. It's French meat pie. And I made it every year for Christmas with my grandma growing up. And she's... Mm -hmm. No longer with us, but that's something I still do with my family every year is I make that torture and just even making it, I feel like I'm making it for the day with my grandma. And so if I think of all the foods and which one takes me to my happy place the most, it would be that. And that's it for this episode of Neighborhood Nutritionist. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and I hope you've really enjoyed it and learned something you can take away with you today. If you could take a second to share this episode with one person you think will love it, that would be absolutely amazing. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening now. See you soon.